0: Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, February 3rd, 2023. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. All right, Jay Book, let's decipher uh, what the Ohio State's coaches really meant to say when they met with us earlier this week. Actually, they were pretty candid. Uh, we don't really need to translate too hard, but I uh, always have fun kind of like trying to trying to translate what some of these guys really meant to say some of the messages they were trying to get across, Jay Book. Let's start with Ryan Day. Um, Now, Kirk Herbstreit, as you and I have talked about, and many people have, you know, let it slip. I don't know if he let it slip that Ryan Day told him that he was strongly considering giving up play-calling duties. Um, I think that surprised a lot of people. And, you know, we got a chance to ask Ryan Day about that on Wednesday. And, you know, he gave a a little bit of a convoluted answer, you know, said Brian Hartland's going to get a chance in the spring to call plays. Um, I don't know, man. I'll believe it when I see it (laughs) that Ryan Day gives up play-calling duties. What do you think, Jay Book.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a situation, Dave, to where Dave will definitely have his hand involved. I think this this is a situation where he will like to gradually take a step back. Uh, I think this is going to be a multi-year type of process, Dave. You look at Brian Hartline, you look at Ohio State, all the weapons that they have. I do not think Dave is just going to say, hey, here, it's the keys to the to the offense, go at it for a first time play caller. So Brian's going to be able to get his opportunity to get his feet wet with the play calling duties this spring, depending on how he goes, how it goes, you know, that can continue to parlay into him calling plays in the fall during the, during the season. But I truly believe that day will have a hand in the actual play calling, be able to veto uh, Brian, be able to help him out when he gets stuck. Uh, but I, overall looking at it globally is a situation that I believe they needed to do. I feel like he, he, he needs to be able to get his arms around the entire program, being able to uh, double duty as far as a play caller, been able to manage the program, that's a lot to ask. You look at the, na- the last couple of national championship coaches, they've delegated those duties to a specific coordinator to handle.
0: No doubt about it. All right. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I think, you know, especially this year, first year starting quarterback, first year starting center, um, you know, maybe not the best year to, for him to completely give up play calling duties. Yeah, he'll, he'll definitely be at the very least heavily, heavily involved. Um, and he even said that. He's going to be involved Mm it's no secret all right the next one we don't have to decipher this one too much at all the marvin harrison penalty our guy steve hellwagon doing great journalism did a great story on it asked ryan day about it and normally a coach isn't going to say anything about it um after the game ryan day gave a very politically correct answer um he wasn't in the politically correct mood the other day though jay book again we don't have to decipher this one too much ryan day felt it was you know he didn't use this term felt it was bs that That targeting penalty was overturned. It was targeting uh, by every letter of the law. It doesn't have to be too many people don't understand the targeting penalty. It doesn't have to be helmet to helmet. It's any, as you know, it's any forcible contact to the head or neck area by any part of the body, including the shoulder. So it's absolutely ridiculous that got overturned, as we all know. Um, And Ryan Day, um, you know, maybe didn't say it as forcefully as we have. But, uh, you know, I, I liked what he had to say, Jay Book. What'd you make of that? I like what he had to say.
1: Um, It's a bitter pill to swallow. I mean, the flag was thrown on the field, Dave. Um, It'd be one thing to say, oh, you know, cameras show that there wasn't any type of contact, you know, above the shoulder pass." when in actuality it was. The kid was knocked out cold. So if you got a kid that's knocked out cold, there's a penalty already been thrown. How can you actually pick the flag up? Uh, So I understand Dave's uh, gripe. And good for him to go and make the calls and complain. That's what you're supposed to do. I know a lot of Georgia fans are out there saying, oh, he's crying. He's whining. No, he was asked about it from the media. Uh, And what is he supposed to say? Um, No comments about it. I'm sure he has deep feelings about it after the fact. So if he's asked about it, you want coaches to be able to give thorough, thoughtful, and truthful uh, answers in their press conference but, hey, Georgia fans, go ahead and try to knock them as much as you want to for being honest when asked a question by the media.
0: Don't worry out there. We're going to get to uh, Mark Pantoni in just a second, his comments, interesting comments from the other day. For those that um, that did, that don't know or just tuning in, we got to meet with Ryan Day on Wednesday. We got to meet with all of the assistant coaches, including the coordinators, of course. And then on top of that, we got to meet with Mark Pantoni and James Laurinaitis. So um, all the full-time assistants, plus on top of that, Mark Pantoni, who's now the GM, he has the title of general manager, um, and, and James Laurinaitis. We're going to get to Pantoni and Laurinaitis. One more thing about Ryan Day that I found interesting. I mean, there was, there was a cavalcade of interesting things, but one more thing about Ryan Day before we move on, Jay Book. He says he wants to name a starting quarterback leaving spring. Wanting to, and, and it actually <laughs> happening, are, is there, there's a giant delta between those two things. Because now, I, I, as I said on Wednesday's show, like he'll know – he will know leaving spring, uh, or it was actually on Patrick's uh, Bucknut, uh, Bucknuts happy hour last night. Um, there's no doubt Ryan Day probably right now knows, and he'll definitely know leaving spring. He's not going to tell us, though. Uh, he's not going to tell the guys. He wants to push this into fall camp. He doesn't want anybody to transfer. So yep. what do you make of that? What would you make of it? Translate his comments a little bit for me. I
1: 100% agree with you, Dave he there's no reason to name a starter after the spring Perfect. there there's if you look at it if he names a starter chances are you're going to lose someone uh one of the quarterbacks so you're better off pushing this thing into the fall even if you have an idea of who the guys going to be and i find it hard to believe that they're going to be able to find the actual starter because when i look at McCord and Devin Brown i don't see a guy that's you know, considerably better than the other right now. And the margins are so close when you're breaking in a new play caller, you're breaking in a brand new offensive line. Your top two wide receivers are out for the spring. Marvin Harrison Jr. is probably going to be on the the pitch count. So both quarterbacks are going to be throwing to young wide receivers who probably won't be your down in, down out starters. Those are guys that you're hoping to develop in the spring to be something down the line. So how can you determine which guy performed at an elite level that's going to potentially lead you to a national championship with so many question marks that are out there as you're heading into the spring? So I I think it would benefit the program. I think it would benefit the guys if they pushed it into the fall a little bit. Let that competition continue to thrive because once you start to get your starters back – one guy may take off a little bit more than what he did in the spring. So I don't think there's a need to rush to judgment right now to say, hey, I need to name a starter right after the spring. Theoretically, perfect world, you would love to. If you had the quarterback depth right now in your room and you felt good about it, perfect world, yes. But with the, with the way the guys can just up and transfer, I don't see
0: a need to transfer
1: uh, to announce a starter until at least the fall.
0: I agree with you 100%. And, and in the like the what, the what 0.01% chance that he does name a starter after spring, let's say it is Kyle McCord. Devin Brown strikes me as the type of kid, and I could be wrong, that would still stick around and compete. Because even if Ryan Day says a guy is in the lead, I, I don't think he's going to be making grand proclamations like, this is our guy no matter what. He's still going to make sure it's a competition. But I, I totally agree. He's not even going to do that. He's not going to name a leader after spring. Why would he? He'll know, but we won't know. And yep. we might know but he's not going to tell us that's a better way of putting it all right a lot of people want to know about uh you know get into mark pantoni's comments we're going to break those down uh this is from doc McGarry on facebook why is pantoni advertising the fact that he doesn't think we can compete for national recruits duh And then he throws in a hashtag green and white hashtag jb must be a uh, your fellow uh, ohio bobcat there jonah booker um so Doc McGarry, I, I think Mark Pantoni we have it we're gonna have a note in the boarding house on Bucknuts today about this. Mark Pantoni is extremely intelligent. He is um, he knew what he was doing there. in my opinion, and I had a former Ohio State player tell me this, in my opinion he was throwing um, he knew what he was doing. He was sending a message to Gene Smith and Doug Archie and everybody at Ohio State that we better get with the times here. Um, I don't think he was throwing up any type of white flag. He knew what he was doing. What do you think, JB?
1: Let me ask you this, Dave. If Ohio State's NIL was a machine right now and it's humming, you're you're getting the players that you want to. You're setting these guys up once they sign and enroll with whatever deal that they want to. Everything is gravy. Do you hear anything about these guys starting to, uh, you know, deviate from doing a
0: national approach to a regional approach? Not at all. Not at all. And, and not by at all. The way, and do we th- really think Ohio State's going to stop recruiting nationally? No way. Now, to be clear, his comments were for those that didn't hear. Was just like we're going to have to, you know, recruit more regionally. You know, Ohio Midwest. It seems like there's more of a hit rate as far as once those kids commit, those kids not decommitting, those kids not chasing the NIL as much. And he said we're still going to recruit nationally, but um, after going through this for you know a full cycle now. They now realize if you're going after a kid far away from Columbus and he makes it clear that NIL is the top priority for him, you might want to get out of that business. Um, so that is a real thing, but um, and we'll get into like the NCAA allegedly cracking down. I, had, I got a chance to ask Pantoni about that. He had an interesting response, but yeah, but yeah, man, I mean, I mean, it is an issue right now, but I think that was mostly Pantoni sending a message to Ohio State. Like we got to play by the same rules or we're going to fall behind.
1: I have two feelings about this, Dave. Uh, one, you always want to be able to have your core backbone of Ohio to be primarily Ohio guys. That's the way the program has been built. Um, but the way that the populations have shifted down towards the south and out west in order for you to win a national championship, you got to be able to get those heavy hitters, national guys, those difference makers, those three to four to five different makers that you're going to need in order to get you over the top against Georgia, Ohio kids in Ohio high school. They're they're second to none. Those shall always be your backbone because they're going to be uh, extremely well coached. They may not be ready right away because they don't have spring ball in Ohio. But one thing that you cannot deny, Ohio kids are going to come in tough and they're going to come in extremely well coached. Now, when it comes to who should you target, who shouldn't you target? If your initial conversation out the gate, about it to a kid is hey this is what we're willing to uh, offer as far as a nfl development a program a degree in education and that initial conversation is about nil then yes that is a red flag that you should be concerned about but with that being said i can't blame a kid for not for uh, i can't blame a kid for understanding his worth in today's market so if somebody's offering you you know life-changing money for your family you have to have that conversation. You can't shy away from it. Now, is Ohio State doing things NIL wise? Yes, they are doing a little bit, but it's not compared to what the other schools are doing. I know a lot of people say, hey, don't don't go all Texas A&M. I always say that it is Texas A&M is an outlier. Ohio's what if Texas A&M was doing. You're not seeing a lot of programs. Do, doing ohio state is not text uh they're not chasing texas a&m they're chasing alabama and they're mm-hmm. chasing georgia what right. texas a&m did and what miami's doing those are mid programs they're irrelevant to the conversation ohio state can get enough hardcore talent within the region but in order to get you over that hump to win a national championship you still regardless have to find a way to get those three to four to five different makers that are those five-star prospects
0: that you're going to have to battle Alabama and Georgia for. Beautifully said. Beautifully said, my man. Um, one more thing on Pantone, and we'll move on to Laurinaitis. Um, So there was a report from Ross Dellinger, who does a really good job for Sports Illustrated, saying the NCAA, and this wasn't just his opinion. He, like, broke it down. Um, the NCAA – they're hiring people, you know, like former, like CIA investigators and stuff like that. And like, um, they're allegedly, again, you know, um, wake me up if it actually happens, right. But, um, you know, they're allegedly going to crack down on some of this NIL stuff with, with the pay for play stuff. And Mark Pantone said flat out, when I asked him about yeah, you know, this is obviously not what NIL is supposed to be, as we all know. And I asked him, well, are, are you optimistic? or? you must make you feel good that at least there's this report out there that the NCAA is going to crack down on. He goes, well, yeah, you know, kind of shrugged his shoulders. He's like, if it actually happens. You know? So uh, right. I think he feels the same way we do. What do you make of that? Do you feel like they're there now maybe is the you know the ball is rolling the right way and they, they might actually get some regulations in place with the NIL? Or are you not buying it?
1: I'm not buying it, Dave. I mean, there's, there's no way the NCAA is going to be able to crack down. Once the toothpaste is out the tube, it's over. They just need to be able to find a situation to where they can have a happy medium and to be able to, you know, get their arms around this. Here's the thing about the NCAA. They're toothless because they're so afraid that they're going to get sued. You can't enforce legislation in Ohio The same way that you can enforce legislation in Tennessee to where the schools can actively and the coaches can actively direct their NIL collective who to go after and who to give as much money to because of their state laws. State laws vary in all 50 states. So how is the NCAA going to come in and try to regulate in one state? where they could be sued in another state for violation of those particular state laws. So that's why I say I don't think the NCA is going to be able to do anything. So if you're Ohio State and you're Gene Smith, you have to ask yourself, why are we trying to follow rules that don't exist, rules that aren't being enforced, not saying that you need to go out there and pay kids who haven't proven anything, but you need to at least be somewhat competitive in the same realm of the Alabama and the Georgia. If you look at Alabama, Dave, Nick Saban, he just recently came out and said, some kid, you know, pretty much try to, uh, you know, squeeze him for 500000 and shake him down for his girlfriend getting a, a free education into Alabama law school. Yeah. And he told him, hit the door. Yes, you're not going to shake down an old grizzled veteran like Nick Saban. But what Alabama is doing is – they are all in when it comes to NIL. They just released a video three days ago to where their athletic director, all of their sports, Nick Saban, uh, star athletes saying, hey, go here to collect, uh, to donate so that we can make sure our, our student athletes are paid. They're brand, they're building a brand new building. So, yes, Nick Saban is, is not going to get shook down for cash, but make no mistake. They are 100 percent all in on what they're going to do NIL wise in Columbus. I've heard a ton of stories from the people that are involved. It is, it is ridiculous. It's a hot mess. We are nowhere close to being organized. Cardell Jones is on the radio this week saying that he can't get any help from Gene Smith or the athletic department. People are complaining, saying, uh, are raising the red flags, saying why is Gene Smith, personal advisor, ahead of the cohesion? So it's a whole, a whole heap of mess, Dave. That I'm just looking around, just like. If they can't get it together, they're not going
0: to be able to compete in this front going forward. And there's only so much we can say. But like uh, another, uh, you know, facet here is the, the two main collectives for Ohio State don't seem to get along very well. Yet they should be working together. Yeah. Well, what you, I'm
1: hearing that ain't, that ain't gonna happen. Um, well, you, you, well, not even that, Dave. Look at it this: you have the two collectives that don't even get along, but the the collectives also don't necessarily get along with the athletic department because the athletic department also views the collectors as competition because their job is to raise money from boosters to help fund all of those Olympic sports. They collected 60 million over this year from boosters, but at the same time, you can't, uh, you can't say, okay, at 50 million, why don't we have a few boosters who are willing to donate, go and, funnel some of that money over to the collectives. So you also have this arm of high raising uh, fundraising going on within the Ohio State Athletic Department, but they're also not sharing any type of booster contacts with any of the collectives. So it's just like, okay, at what point is enough money, is enough money for the athletic department?
0: It's, I, I didn't even m- mean to get off on that. It's such an interesting topic. I'm glad we did. I, I wasn't even in my notes there. But, uh, but yeah, I, I did like what, uh, what Mark Pantoni had to say. If you, I mean, we have a story up on Bucknuts. It's free. Um, we have the whole video, the whole 20-minute video of what Pantoni had to say. So if you haven't seen that, get on there and watch the video. All right. Also, we have the full video of James Laurinaitis. My gosh, was he impressive. I was having flashbacks to when I covered James at, at Ohio State. Yes, I, I'm old enough where I covered all four years of him. Um, in fact, I remember on the old Bucknuts uh, front row radio, um, calling James and he was a high school, uh, senior people are like, who's this three-star linebacker from Minnesota that Trestle's getting? Who was this guy? Um, so that, that's how far back I go. So I was having flashbacks the other day, man, he's impressive. Um, and he is the linebackers coach for those that are wondering, oh, he's coming in as a GA He's going to kind of help out. Like, no, I mean, he has the title of GA, but he is the linebackers coach. He's going to be running the linebacker room, which is going to kind of free up Jim Knowles a little bit more, um. I just absolutely love it, uh, Jay Book. I'm sure you do too. Just get into everything uh, you heard from James Laurinaitis.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a home run hire. It's a major win for the program, just getting him back. A wealth of knowledge, a guy that bleeds scarlet and gray. Uh, hopefully he, he'll he be able to maintain a high level play from the linebacker room. But more importantly, he can develop those younger guys because that's where the future is going to lay with the C.J. Hicks and the Gay Powers, some of those younger guys that are coming in. That's who you want to see James Norline james uh, lauren Iders really make an impact with so i think it's huge for the program uh hopefully it gives jim the opportunity to really uh increase his role with the defense help with the back end it's important day because i think the offense has all the tools and all the weapons to be right back in the hunt for the playoffs but it's going to come down to getting that defense uh playing at an elite level if james can help that by all means let's go he can't uh one of the one of the Viewers here said get him out on the road recruiting. Because he's a GA, he can't hit the road because they are only allowed to have a certain amount of coaches per NCAA rules who can be involved as far as traveling to visit recruits. Now, he can talk to recruits once they come and visit, but as far as hitting the road, he's not able to do
0: that. Yeah, I'm glad you touched on that. And, and just to further the point, he can text recruits. He can call recruits, all that. The only thing he can't do, as you said, is go on the road to, to recruit When they come on campus, he can talk to them. He can text them. So he's going to be heavily involved in all things linebacker recruiting. And I still believe in Jim Knowles as a defensive coordinator. I don't think he's much of a recruiter. I know I'm not breaking news there. And I like that this frees him up. You know, James Laurinaitis will be running the linebacker room. And obviously, Knowles is going to be heavily involved, too, just like we were saying with Ryan Day and whatever happens with offensive play calling, he'll be heavily involved. So great insights, as always, from Jonah Booker. Really appreciate it. Jay Book. Uh, make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's a great follow, at jbook37. Uh, appreciate it, jbook, and appreciate all the listeners out there for tuning in. Thank you guys very much. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend.